Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Mountain Podcast with me, Dylan Ryan, and my co-host, Jared O'Keefe. Today we're here with a teacher from the primary school, Mr. Fannin, and who is also a big name up in Mount Sinai in the hurling pitch. How are you going, sir? How are you doing, lads? Thanks for, thanks for having me, as the fella said. As we just thought, we thought it'd be good anyway. We thought, you know, we'd get a lot out of it and, you know, we thought it'd be a good conversation. So We didn't want to stick to the primary school, we said we'd... Yeah, no problem. And look, it's lovely to have you know you guys going and keeping that connection. I think it's yeah, it's all very important. So well done. Right. So we just have a few questions, maybe fifteen or so, just about. Right, we'll plow through. Yeah, right, we'll have no pressure on it. So <laughs> just to start off, maybe tell us a bit about yourself, just maybe to introduce yourself to people who might not have heard of you, someone who didn't go to the primary school. Maybe. Yeah, uh, my, my name is Owen Fanning. I'm the there's a bell near the primary school going, but I'm presently I'm the homeschool liaison teacher in Mount Sinai Primary School. Um, most of my job at the moment is, is basically working with parents of the kids in the school, so uh, I'm enjoying that, showing me a whole new side to the to the job. Um, uh, so I'm out of the classroom for a couple of years, but I would have I've been teaching in Mount Sinai Primary School since 2007. Um, Prior to that, I was teaching St. Joseph's Primary School in Dublin, and I was a, a latecomer to the, to the teaching profession. I, I'd, I'd, uh, I went to primary school and secondary school in Mount Sinai, and initially I did business studies and ended up in, um, in WIT, WRTC as it was then, and made, left, left Ireland in 1995 and spent several years in England before returning home again. So um, yeah, I'm teaching since 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 2005 roughly, um, loving the job, uh, and since obviously as a child in Mount Sinai, I was heavily involved uh, in the GA club, and when I came back to Waterford, I found myself back in the GA club again, gravitating towards towards the Mount Sinai community. So look, I'm delighted to be to have had a chance to come back and work in Mount Sinai because. Uh, I went to school here, uh, my dad went to school here, my granddad went to school here, so Mount Sinai and I suppose myself and my family runs deep. Um, so yeah, so that's my present role and yeah, so here I am. Was that the dream when you started teaching maybe to always come back to Mount Sinai or did it just kind of happen? Yeah, I suppose it would have been the dream would be to come back to Mount Sinai. Um, when, I, when I graduated from Colossus to in Dublin, I ended up in... Um, a school close by, uh, where actually, coincidentally, my, an, an uncle of mine was a principal, another Mount Sign uh, boy, uh, Pat Fanning, he was a principal there. And I loved a school very, very similar in ethos um, to Mount Sign, an inner city primary and secondary school. And uh, I loved it there, but when the opportunity came up, um, the vacancy came up here, you know, there was there was no question but that I wanted to apply. And, Thankfully, it it worked out, and we made our way back back home to Waterford. Um, and you know, traveling in and out every day to Mount Saint Club, Mount Saint School. Um, so, when you were younger, was teaching always the profession that you wanted to work towards? Um, good question, Jared. Um, probably not. I was one of these people who never really thought about it. Um, in school, I I wish now I had. I wish now I I I'd, I'd spent more time. I think, I think young people nowadays do more more of that. I think they, they think about the future a lot more than than we did. For me, when I was in secondary school, it was 
you were going from one hurling match to the next and and, and uh, that was all that seemed to matter at the time. We didn't didn't had no grand plans, you know, and, and I think because WIT was on our doorstep, I was kind of saying, you know, I was kind of a bit of a home bird and when I was seventeen I didn't really want to go away. So when I got the course in WIT I was delighted and made my way out there but I kind of discovered early enough that it wasn't something I was really entirely happy with was was that I ended up working in the business and while I liked it as the few years went by I realised you know um, I'd always got a great grow for the Irish language Irish history I loved English Mr Farrelly would have been a great I suppose influence on me in school um, and uh, I suppose when I did my leave insert at the time I wouldn't have got the points to do primary school teaching so I went the long way around and uh, I ended up uh, going back as a mature student and I just found when you go back to do something when you're older um, I won't say things come a bit easier but you, you, you kind of tend to dedicate yourself a little bit more to it and thankfully everything went well and I found myself you know graduating as a teacher so no teaching wasn't always on the radar but it was always influenced by certain people around me and my uncle in Dublin was a big influence on me and when I got to a stage where I was reconsidering where I was going with my career you know teaching came up on the radar very quickly because the sport the culture the language the, the history were all things that as a primary school teacher you could um, you could you could get by and you, you could you end up working with something you love doing so uh, yeah that was so then yeah once I once I decided, made that decision to to leave the career I was in you know I, I have no regrets and, and loved what I what I pursued so um, where did your passion for the GA club come from because like you said when you came back from Dublin you gravitated towards it and towards the community maybe so where would you say your passion came from from outside actually look it, it inevitably you know um, I grew up in a, in, in a household where 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 GEA was was just it was to the fore. It was you know um, my dad uh, was a Mount Sign boy, and my, his dad before him was a Mount Sign boy, and uh, so it was generational. So we were simply, I suppose, Dylan. I suppose we were born into it, and when he came into the school like Mount Sign here. Um, you know, the, the school is going through many changes now, and it's fantastic. Um, but it even, but back then, this building we're in now would have had about seven hundred boys in it, and uh, we were we were blessed to have people like I suppose Brother Griffey and Brother Dowling, and then they were you know the Christian brothers were a huge influence on us in here in terms of hurling. You know, they they basically gave their lives to it after school, and then they, they, you know you would have had other people like Jerry Flynn and. Larry Goff and teach like that along the way who who also got on board and pulled in great men as well like Paddy Sheridan, John Butler, you know, Jim Hennessy, John Meany, people like that, you know, um were were around the place all the time and um supporting the brothers in, in what they were trying to do. So hurling was 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 ever present and you know and the great memories of you know even the school Getting a new Hurley, going up to Brother Griffey's room, and he's you know, getting a new Hurley off him, and the, you can see see the band and the smell of the Hurley, and the, the joy of going home with a new Hurley. And so, yeah, Hurley was 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 massive here, and we were lucky enough to be had, 
you know, some fantastic young hurlers came through, and and we were always at the at the business end of competitions and championships, and that just reinforced it. So yeah, hurling was in the family, and then the brothers, of course, had a huge influence, and the teachers here had a huge influence on us. Um, staying with the hurling uh, because the league has started back up, and we're doing well, I say, but. If there was like a transfer market in Harlem, do you reckon there'd be anyone that you'd bring to Waterford? Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic to see Waterford doing so well, and it's it's amazing. When we were growing up, like we didn't, Waterford teams didn't have that same success, and uh, you know, you guys probably wouldn't appreciate it, but you know, for Waterford to be in Munster finals and winning National League games in Division One and contesting National League finals and semi finals, that's all. Um, that's relatively new, you know, um, because when we were growing up, we, like, we, we travelled the length and breadth of the country. I remember watching Waterford playing Roscommon with my dad. My dad was involved in the Waterford team, and he'd been beaten by Roscommon at one stage and playing the likes of Mayo and teams like that. So for Waterford now, again, thank God to be to be where they are. It's fantastic. So, but could we make could could we improve on what we have? I suppose we could, but if it was one player, I think. I think it would have to be Tony Kelly of Clare because to me I think he's the he's the complete hurler you know he in terms of attitude skill you know commitment to the team I think yeah I think Tony Kelly would be somebody who would very few players now you know we could say make the Waterford team better right now but I think Tony Kelly would certainly be one in my own mind I'd like to see Kyle Hayes come on to it I think he's such a good hurler Limerick um, I know and he's young as well I just think he's going to be one of the best hurlers uh, you're ever going to see, really. Yeah, I think and he's Kyle Hayes. I mean, he's part of that new Olympic breed, and he, mm-hmm. they, they, they've everything. They're a frightening team at the moment. But um, yeah, I just think I just think Tony Kelly finds a way. So I uh, look, yeah, Kyle Hayes, absolutely in terms of his not his size and strength and pace. Yeah, he would bring something to the table too. But I'd stick with Tony Kelly. Right. Um, if you had to live anywhere apart from Ireland, where would it be? Who? Um, I've been lucky enough to do. You know, to, to, to be able to travel, um, I spent a year in Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, I've seen parts of Africa, and, and I, you know, and I've been quite lucky in that regard. I suppose I'd always said when when I was in New Zealand, there was a place called Wanaka, Lake Wanaka. It's kind of if you can imagine Lord of the Rings and those snow-capped mountains. Well, that was Wanaka, and uh, I've always said that if ever if ever things went pear-shaped in Ireland, and Mr. Fanning disappeared. You'd find him in Lake Wanaka in the South Island of New Zealand. So I would say, yeah, New Zealand's an amazing country, amazing people. Um, what would you say is the best bit of advice that you've ever received in your life? I suppose, it, like like a lot of teenagers, when I was growing up, I, I, you know, people were probably trying to give me advice along the way, but I wouldn't listen, and in one ear out the other. And sometimes, I suppose, advice is wasted on the young in some ways. But um, I, as I suppose. I wouldn't say advice I got. I see, Jared. I am. Um, you kind of figure out things as you go along. And I remember, um, I suppose going back to when I changed careers, something with some somewhere along the line, you know, I I I come to the idea that I wanted to work doing something I loved. So that 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 notion of find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That kind of stuck with me in a way that you know, if you can, if you can, if you can find work in something you love doing your passion but then it's very very easy to get up in the morning and, and then that, that that worked well with me and I've always also believed like that you know um, when things are hard that opportunity comes from adversity so you know when you know I'd, I'd always tell that to young lads that you know that 
if things get tough, I mean, you grow from that. So, you know, I think out of out of out of adversity comes opportunity. So, you know, you you grow from tough times. So, I'd always tell young fellas when things things are tough that this will make you a better person, a stronger person. You know, the wins and the losses throughout your life. Um, so, yeah, out of adversity comes opportunity, and I suppose then I suppose I would always say try try commit yourself to to working for something you're passionate about. I think that that will stand you good stead. What about you, Jarvis? Best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, so as he said, I suppose it is wasted on the young, and um, nothing really sticks out. But um, as what you just said there, similar to what I've heard before from the likes of my father and my grandfather, and um, it's kind of given me a bit of motivation to look for something that I would actually enjoy doing when I'm older. Good. And Good. Um, make some of it. I got a piece of advice there just recently off the end. Current minor manager now, Forrest Ned. I was just, it was dropping me home one day and I was talking to him about, oh, fullback, I get very nervous before games and I don't like being a fullback and all. And he just really said, like, well, it's just hurling after two years off hurling, you know, be nervous about COVID, be nervous about what's going on in the world right now, but hurling is a break away from that, so there's no need to be nervous for it, really. Our nerves are good in some ways, but don't let it overrun you, like hurling is meant to be fun and that, so. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's, that's a great piece of advice by Ned and I think that the, the, the Cork football coach, actually, Keith Rickon, I remember him watching it, uh, or listening to a podcast on him, and he kind of, he framed it like that. He said, like, you know, there's, there's one billion people in China now, for instance, for example, don't know what a hurling match is, so why are you worried that, you know, there's big things happening in the world, it's only a hurling match. And so, as you said, it's supposed to be a release and it's supposed to be fun, so enjoy your hurling and don't worry about the nerves. This will be a good one now. In your opinion, what's the worst rule in the GAA, or what rule would you get rid of? Ooh, the worst rule. Mm. Um, I suppose one thing that a couple of things that and one thing that annoys me. I suppose now when we were, and the hurling has evolved in many ways for the better. And it, like 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 all sports and like all all walks of life, it evolves. But it really annoys me when a referee throws in a ball and a lad pulls and he gets free against them. Yeah. So I think I think I would I would insist that you know when a ball is thrown in to, to break up a ruck that uh, both players have to pull. Yeah. I would like to see that happening and that also the way the game when you know as when I was playing hurling and when I was growing up watching hurling the thing I loved about, about hurling was the aerial contest. And I think unfortunately the way the game is evolving that's that's disappearing somewhat because everything is playing the percentage of short ball to hand, short ball to hand. So that idea of a Ken McGrath lording it up in the sky and yeah. we don't see that too often. So I, I'd hope that you know maybe if I could bring in one rule, Dylan, I suppose it would be that all sixty five all puck outs had to go beyond the sixty five. So you're 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 yeah. forcing the contest back into the game. And I think I'd love to see that happen in hurling now. I think that happens a lot. You know when a ref throws back in the ball and the fellow is scrapped for on the ground, it just brings in the other fellas crowding around and back in for another one. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they blow it three or four times in a row, but yeah, it doesn't really solve the problem. Instead of no. solve, so yeah, yeah. Um, moving away from GA and stuff, there's just a few kind of icebreaker questions. Yeah. So if you have any fears, what would you say your biggest fear would be? Um, biggest fear, I suppose. Um. I suppose it's kind of a cliched one like you go like, when I when I was your age, you know, biggest fear might be or something like missing out in a hurling match, not going on holidays or with the lads or whatever it might be. But they weren't really real life problems. I suppose now I you'd always as as a dad you're always you're always looking out for your kids and I suppose your biggest fear would be anything happening to your kids, I suppose. Um 
So yeah, I suppose that would that was, it's quite a common one. But yeah, right now, yeah, it'll be your kids and people close to you is 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 make sure they're they're okay. That's obviously the emotional route that you've gone down. For me, I I don't like bears whatsoever. But I don't like spiders and. <laughs> I've one now. I don't even know if I want to say it on a Oh, he's gonna. Do you know um like dinner? Condiments, yeah, condiments like, like mayonnaise, red sauce. He's afraid of red sauce. Like if someone handed me a bottle of ketchup, now, I couldn't hold it. I don't. Oh, I don't understand. Terrified of red sauce. I'm terrified to get it on my skin. Yeah, like that's that. a, that's a that's an interesting phobia. And maybe as I, as I'm getting older, I never, you know, just yeah, just um, no, I want no, I want him no, I want him go with that one. But um, yeah, go on. But that's a, that's an interesting one, an interesting phobia. Um, what about your favourite food? Favourite food? Uh, I, I've heard of sweet tooth, lads. I wish I hadn't, but I have. Um, uh, and I would go for tiramisu. Okay, the Italian dessert. I'm a sucker for tiramisu. Yeah, that, that, but it, you know. Never heard of tiramisu. Well, you gotta try well, it out. I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, well, you gotta try it out. But so, yeah, as a dessert, I'd love, love tiramisu, but look, yeah. Uh, I like Italian food. I love, I love, and I love fish. So yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any pet peeves or any small things maybe that uh, would annoy you? Annoy you? Trigger you? Oh God. Um, uh, one thing that annoys me is that, and I see young fellas throwing paper on the ground. It's just, yeah. it's only a little thing, but when I see people littering, that's something that really, really bugs me. And. Uh, enough to send me over the edge like and I just I've always even in school I've always been telling young, young lads that like don't just pick you know don't throw don't don't litter the place when I see young fellas from behind a car or as, not just young fellas it could be anybody throwing oh, something yeah. at the window of a car or dropping something on the street that's only a little peeve but um, nah look I'm, I'm, in most ways I'm tolerant enough that Jared I think I hate when people especially yesterday I was walking home with Jared and we were coming just by the roundabout on the end of Keynes Road and straight out in front of the car, he just walked. As soon as there was a bit of <laughs> half a second gap, he just ran across the road and left me standing there. And there was that awkward moment where I was trying to not walk, but then I didn't. Oh. And yes, when people press the button for the green man, and it goes green, they're already walking across the road. And I'm, oh no, I can't stand it. Like, I'd be ashamed of myself now. If, I hear, it's like, if I'm after walking on, and then I hear it going green behind me, I just know everyone in the cars are judging me then. I'm just, it's not as if I'm, like, I'm not careless. Like, I just want it. To get home and I just Jared, Jared the jaywalker. <laughs> you get arrested in New York for that, but I don't understand that jaywalking. Is that like it's actually like illegal over it's there? Fine in Australia, get... you get hefty fine in Australia for yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah. So when you see a car, there's a gap in the road. <laughs> Go for the gap. Right. If you had to, all right, this is good. If you had to make a seven-a-side hurling team out of all the players in the country, who would you pick? Probably a goalkeeper, three backs, a midfielder, and two forwards, maybe. You can do Warford if you want, but I think it would be better to do the the GAA then. Seven, seven aside team. Seven aside. Do it have to be current players? No. Um, it could be, no, no, be just pick your favourite team annual. of all time. Yeah. God. Um, uh, I w- if I was going for a goalkeeper, no, I don't know, there's fantastic goalkeepers around, like, but um, uh, I suppose when I was growing up, very few to remember him, but there was a there was a chap playing for a Stradbally called Paco Corn, and he was a goalkeeper for Waterford in the eighties. Your dad or your granddad, Jared, would be very familiar with Paco Corn, and um, would have played with him, I would imagine. But in the eighties, he was a goalkeeper from Stradbally, and I remember when I was a kid, he I think he won the save of the year, he had the first two saves and the save of the year, 
and at that time Waterford had very little success so for a Waterford goalkeeper to get a save of the year that was and, I, and I, my dad was involved as a selector on the Waterford team at that stage so we used to go to all the games so he was he was a player that I suppose always stuck out in my mind as a goalkeeper um, so I'd have to say despite all the, the wonderful keepers like Stephen O'Keefe Iggy O'Regan um, and all the modern all the modern goalkeepers with, with Limerick and Cork and what have you I, I, I go with Paco Corner my 7 side team um, in backs we got to we got to pick how many backs we got to pick actually three ok well I, I suppose JJ Delaney would have to be in that back line absolutely and probably you know people talk about Henry Shefflin and Tommy Welch and these players who were, were phenomenal to me like JJ Delaney was probably the, the the best defender I've ever seen so yeah JJ Delaney would have to be on that um, Brian Wheelahan of Offaly oh, yeah. um, we were growing up in, you know like he, he was growing up he was, he was only a year or two older than I was but but he was one that was always a special special player to watch he was just so calm and cool on the ball and so skillful um, well, one more back uh, yeah. I'd pick Pat McGrath he'd be Ken's dad um, Pat McGrath was as when we were kids like going to matches and you know Waterford contested those two monster finals in 82 and 83 and they took two big hammerings but I remember the semi-finals and league games around him like Pat McGrath was a joy to watch and in a, in a you know um, Pat McGrath was around today like he would be as good as any of the players you'd see so yeah Pat McGrath was kind of a hero of mine as a child um, and what we got one midfield two mid, what we got midfielder uh, one midfielder so yeah Oh God! You could pick so many. I have one thing. I, 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 lines, maybe. Just because he's so, especially in the seven side, he's just so tenacious. Like, and I like you know people would obviously go for an old big name player or something, but not to say he's not a big name player. But you know all the people you're picking off, Ken McGrath or someone like that. I think the Ironlines they won't believe in the seven side midfield. Yeah. yeah, whenever we're at the games, he um, he always he loves Ironlines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got great time for Ironlines as well because. Um, you know he's knocking on the panel for a couple of years, but it's, but it's, whenever he gets a chance, I think he always plays very very well. And I think um, you know he's as you say, then he has a, a, a great engine on him. And, and you know, please God, like it's opened up for him now. Maybe he'll get more of a run. But yeah, Darlene's a good, very very good player. Um, if I were to pick, I suppose my time watching her, and, you know, I think he would have had, the Brick Welch was an amazing player. You know the influence he had for. You know, such and such a long time, so consistent. Um, Brick Welsh is an amazing player, but I suppose I'd, I'd have to, with my Mount Sion hat on me, I'd have to probably put Tony Brown in there. Um, yeah, Tony, you know, to be to be around and to, to, to be in the club when like Tony and Ken were in their pomp, like, you know, great people to be around, great influence on everybody around them. And uh, yeah, I think I'd have, to, I'd have to put Tony in there ahead of you know, someone like the Brick Walsh, who was another amazing player. Um, I wonder if we got three forwards. Two, two forwards. Two forwards. I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to put Ken McGrath in there. Um, you could put Ken anywhere, but uh, yeah, Ken. Uh, I, I remember um, when I was living in England. I came. I was coming home for a, a wedding in the Iron Islands. Well, in Galway City, there was a friend of ours from the Iron Islands getting married, and we were invited to the wedding. But so three of us drove, hired a car from from Dublin Airport and drove to Galway and um, I found out of my dad that Walt Munster were playing Connacht in the Railway Cup in Ballinasloe 
on the same day on the Saturday so and Ken was only 19 and Ken was going to be centre back on the team so I didn't go to the wedding I dropped the two lads off to the wedding and I went off because when you're away you miss hurling so much so I drove the band of slow to watch Ken McGrath playing, playing centre back at the thing the same day for, uh, for as a 19 year old against Connacht for Munster the same day he got his he went to lockdown I think it was Nigel O'Shaughnessy and he took the hurling to his face and knocked out several of his front teeth and as was typically Ken McGrath he played on blood you know his face covered in blood and he played on and at the end of the game I remember myself and his dad Pat and Ken out on the pitch on our hands and knees looking for Ken's teeth on the ground so that's the kind of guy Ken McGrath was and you know that's just the character he was but as a hurler you know he, he had everything so yeah I'd, I'd have to put, put him there and uh I've one left, have I? A forward. Yeah. God, where would where would where would you go? Um, who would be my final forward? Uh, so many, so many. Um, oh, we'll keep it water for. I go. I go John Milan. I go John Milan. Such an exciting player to watch. You know. Um, yeah, he, he he was a great player to watch. So uh, yeah, look at. Oh no, I tell you what, I won't. John Milan will kill me for this, but I'm going to go back to another man who had a huge influence on us as, a, as young fellas and the team. And was just an amazing hurler. And it's, it's your granddad, actually. Jim Green. I couldn't have a team without Jim Green because it just came so easy to Jim Green as a kid. We were watching him and, you know, in a heartbeat, he just had the hardest shot I, I, I remember as a kid. Just, you know great hand bang 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 he could have 3-2 in a matter of minutes just just unmarkable but and again to get an all-star in 82 when, when Waterford were, were you know not at the top table in hurling yeah I'd have to go with Jim Green so apologies to John Milan we'll have to go with your granddad Jim Green he um, he told me this story he used to mark a man from Kilkenny I couldn't tell you his name but he used to have this I think he was blonde but he used to have he was massive and he used to have these big long hair coming out of the helmet. Did go Hara? Yeah, it was. It was him. Yeah, I would imagine and, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. He said that no matter where they were playing, he always found himself marking on him. And um, he said he had the hurling on him, but he just couldn't get around him with the physicality. And one day there was, uh, it could have been an open night or something like that, but um, they had just played them and they had beaten him. And he was marking O'Hara in a match. And um, the two of them ended up in the same taxi going to the place. Uh, and on the way home, actually, the two of them were drunk out of their heads like the horrors <laughs> and they were they had a big chat and he said um, although we marked him the whole time he said he was always a good friend of his like. oh yeah well, that horror is like that I mean I mean you some of the greatest battles you'll have against lads you know from different teams from different counties I mean that, that the respect that ends up there you, you end up quite often you end up great friends you know with all the underage development squads and that as well it's like you know I'd be out marking someone then and I'd have to be talking to him and training and then the next week I'd be like Oh yeah, well after killing each other on the field. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think I think I think I think think people understand that. I think teams yeah. understand that. You know that their club is your club is special, and you know when the county is a different setup. When you go to the county, then you, you put your county hat on, and, and you know you respect your opponents, and they become your teammates, and those bonds those bonds grow. Like so, yeah, it's, it's and you know the development squads are great for you guys to to meet and play with these guys as well. You know so. Yeah. yeah. I suppose quickly, do you want to raffle off an answer? I'm sorry, team, and I'll go after you. Right. Um, on goal, I think maybe I think Iggy would be on goal. Just you know, he's good keeper. Pockets alone as well. He could find I find anyone with a pass in the back line. I definitely want Tommy Welsh. I think he is one of the best backs to just ever live now. 
um, probably him in a corner maybe. Jackie Terrell in the other corner because I can't. Oh, that Jackie Kenny full back line is just one of the best I think I've ever seen. Watching yeah, old clips, yeah. I like watching all all the old All Irelands against Tipperary and that, and they just kill you. They, they take and um, then probably Austin Gleeson. I think he genuinely. I just don't think you could have a team without him. I think his aerial ability, his especially in the seventh hole, his skill. I just think he's. Yeah, I can't believe. Yeah, actually, and how I left Austin on my team, my God. And I think I'm, I was thinking more in the past, I suppose. But uh, yeah, Austin, Austin is Austin is probably is probably the most naturally gifted hurler so. I've I've, I've 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 seen. You know, I think he's an, an amazing player. So um, midfield, I'll go with Darlene. So I'll stick by him. I'll stick by Darlene. Could be Brendan Maris a shout now. I like Brendan Maris, but I think Darlene. Um, forward line. Um, the forwards now I think Conor Whelan from Galway because he's just such a big man like he gets goals he just scores really and then maybe TJ Reid if I was going kind of maybe current TJ Reid I think he's just he could be one of the best players I think in the country right now at the minute I think so yeah that'd be my side side team yeah, for good. me um, on goal I'd probably take I like Andy Nash because I always loved how he used to do the big Roy's on the ball for his penalties and his frees from the goal as well. It was odd to see. For yeah. the the three backs, I'd probably take Tommy Welch as well. He was just unbelievable. Um, I'd have Marno Marcy. I put him in there because he only lives across the road from me. Right. And from what I heard, he was supposed to be amazing for yeah, yeah. and Warford. He has an All Ireland, I think. And yeah. In the other back, I suppose to make a recent. I love um, Caleb Lyons. I think Kevin yeah. comes out and uh, he gets scores in the back line and he's great at defending as well. I just like it's inspiring to see, yeah. especially in Warford. In the midfield, I'd probably either take Ken or Austin uh, for the same reasons he said, like, but I'd probably yeah. take Austin in the end. Right. Um, just because his skill is just it's outrageous. Yeah. And in the forward line, Tommy Kennedy. <laughs> I think that I couldn't take Tommy, but I think I'd take Joe Cannon. Because he is he still the all time all time top scorer in Championship Ireland? Could be, I'm not sure. I'm not I sure. He's overrated. I just I don't know what Henry Sheffield actually. No, he, he's, he's just too one. good. Joe Cannon, he just scored from everywhere. Like he just doesn't miss. And I suppose I can't leave out the old granddad and I put him in there with him. Yeah, oh yeah, you wouldn't be able to walk. He wouldn't be happy. Go home today without mentioning him. But yeah, when when you put a question like that, lads, it's so hard to pick seven hurlers. I mean, even I mean, a fifteen or so. Yeah, it's difficult. There's just so many. Yeah, and if you ask me tomorrow, we'll probably pick a different team. But yeah, look, that's um, good question. Good question. Um, so we were talking about how Austin was gifted. You said he was naturally gifted. If you were like a selector or a scout for Warford, um, what would you be looking for in a young hurler to bring up? Would it be the gift, the hurling, or would it be the work rate? Would you say, or anything that you? Know? Well, obviously, look, you, you, you always the perfect hurler has you know is has both, I suppose, you know. Um, um, look, I'd always I'd always be an advocate to kids, like you know, that would always say to the lads like hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard so it's it's that 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 old adage kind of always sticks in my head so look if you can get somebody with with massive work rate and 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 natural talent that's 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 the optimum but you know if you you need to have that uh that drive and that that i suppose the ability to listen to listen you know, if you're looking, if you're, if you're there, even with young hurlers, 10, 11 year olds, if you're talking and you're looking around at their little faces, it's, you pick out the guys who are listening. You know, you know the guys who are looking you in the eye and kind of, they're taking in what you're saying. So look, 
yeah, the, for for a young kid to the, the, the kid that will listen and want to learn, I mean, that 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 goes a long way. So, you know, as a coach of, of kids, that's well, that's where I start looking looking is 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 the, the level of engagement, and then you know, in time, the, the skills will come. But uh, yeah, if you get a kid who's a good listener, you've half a chance. Um, Alright, what athlete do you think, or maybe even Horler if you had to choose, do you think had maybe the best mindset? There's so many. Um, uh, mindset. I suppose, you know, you look around, you know, it's, all, it, it, it's all the ones that would come to mind straight away, like in, in all sports, like the likes of Roger Federer or a, or a, or a Michael Jordan or a... Roy Keane, absolutely. This this yeah. this this winning mentality was just was ferocious will to win. I mean, yeah, they, they yeah. Funny, I, I was I was I, I had an opportunity to help a guy there late, an opportunity to, to interview Larry Guyne and have a chat with Larry Guyne, the great Larry Guyne of the '59 team, um, there recently um, during COVID. Got to talk to Larry, and uh, you know, I was very curious about about how that Waterford team came to. To, to be what they were and to win the All Ireland in '59 and should have won it in '57, possibly should have won it in '63. That super team, where their mindset came from, you know. So, you know, but but Larry just he, it was just this 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 belief they had as a group of people that they were as good as anybody else and they were going to prove it. So, you know, in terms of of, of a local thing, to speak to someone like Larry Guyner, that's Wolf man with an All Ireland medal who actually got over the line. You know, if 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 I could give Liam Cahill one piece of advice, I'd say bring bring Larry Guyne into a room and even talk to these guys, um, because there's not many of them left of the '59 team. And yeah. you know, Larry, Martin Og, people like that, they were they I mean, they were, they were giants for 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 me as a kid, you know, and giant giants for many people in Mount Sign. So um, they must have had a very very special mindset. Um, you know, in, in, in the Hurlem world, from, from, from a local point of view, to, to get over the line, and hopefully now we'll won't be too much longer, and we'll see we'll see the current crop maybe. I actually remember a story. Your granddad will get mentioned again. Now. Jim was telling us me and Jar were in the house. I think Jar was in looking for money off him or something for a haircut or something. <laughs> anyway. But um, detail on that. But anyway, yeah, he was telling us a story about um, maybe an Armagh Gaelic team, an Antrim Gaelic team, something like that. Um, that they were there, they were doing the training camp, they all got to meet Muhammad Ali and on the oh, day of the All Ireland yeah. final, when they all woke up, underneath their pillows was a personalised letter to every one of them by Muhammad Ali and they went down and won the All Ireland then. The Gaelic one, I thought that was just Yeah, amazing story. For yeah. whatever manager as well yeah. to get that work going. Like, you know, that was a team gonna be what? what I'm gonna be at and getting their way after hearing. Mm, they wanted as well. Yes. Do you think yeah. like just think back, imagine like a personalised letter to you from Someone. Probably the greatest boxer. Yeah, ever. Like yeah, like, one of the greatest athletes of all time, and one of the greatest icons. I was, believe it or not, guys, I actually met Muhammad Ali. Would you believe? At the, I was living in Dublin at the time, and the Special Olympics were on in Santry Stadium. There was a big opening ceremony in Crow Park, and the next day, um, I just happened to be standing watching the Special Olympics in Santry Stadium, and a, a, a blacked-out army car pulled up, and I just happened to be standing in the right place at the right time, and Muhammad Ali got out. Followed closely by Seve Ballesteros, the famous golfer. So uh, I was just completely, you know, starstruck. But um, to, to to think that you meet somebody like that. But yeah, the, yeah, Ali, you know, his mindset was probably, oh my, my God, it's he was he was something special for sure. Yeah. Um. So just back to GA, if you were 
the chairman, we'll say the chairman of the GAA or even Mount Side, what uh, would the first thing you do? What would that be? Oh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm vice chairman of the club at the moment, so I, 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 I'll, I'll, uh, I suppose whatever, whatever, whatever I'd like to do, the way the club is, there's nothing, nothing stopping you doing whatever yeah. you want to do with Mount Sion and the lads are fantastic. We're lucky we have a fantastic chairperson now at the moment in, in Shamey Clear. Um, uh, one thing I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love, I'd love, you know, to 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 strengthen and re-strengthen as much as possible the primary and secondary school, that 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 that, that school club link, because um, we we were a club born of the school, you know, and everything ever everything we wouldn't exist only for Mount Sinai School and only for the, you know. The, Brother Malone and Brother O'Connor had a vision, so um, of for 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 somewhere for the boys in Mountside to play hurling, and the club was born of that. So I think you know we we need to get to a stage where that that's that's as strong as it, it can ever be. And yeah, if, if I was to do one thing, I suppose it would be just to keep reinforce and keep building on that, and uh, you know maybe 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 one day. You know, someday soon, or someday not so soon, and maybe we could be back contesting Hardy Cups again, just like the old days. And that, that's that's something I'd love. I'd love to see. I see you that um, often enough. You're over in the secondary school uh, with Mr. Foley. Correct. Yeah. Trying to maybe you're trying to rekindle the link between the primary and the secondary school. Ireland. Yeah, that would be very very important to me. Um, not just hurling, but it, but it, but in general, I think um, you know we're, we're we're very very lucky here. A kid can come into our school at four years of age and. You know, not lead, not lead to one community or one campus, and and, so and do his, school, yeah, right? exactly, and do, and do do your leaving cert here in this 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 community, and I think that's that's a fantastic bonus we have here, and I mean the school, both primary and secondary, I mean how they've how they've grown in recent years is is very exciting, and it's testament to the I mean the, 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 the two principals and the principals before them, and. And all the teachers and the, and the, and the work that's been go, that's going on. So look, it's it's exciting times for Mount Sinai, and um, you know um, the, tra- the trajectory is good. And for an inner city school to be, for the numbers to be increasing, both primary and secondary, it's 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 lovely to see it. And not just and not just with my horn hat on, but just just as you know, education is very very important to me. And uh, you know, it, there's it, it's it's the motto I suppose of, of the Mount Sinai school is education for life. And I think. Uh, that's very true. I think you know. Besides the academic education you get in here, I think, I think it moulds moulds good young men. I think, and uh, look, and I think long may continue to do that. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm up in the club anyway. I think it was Miss Cody Power in junior infants. We got brought up to the club and playing hurling up there, and I went up to the trainings under fours or so. So yeah, I probably wouldn't even be playing hurling now if. I didn't come to this school anyway. I suppose I was always going to end up there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you were like yourself, Jared. Yeah. Even at that, I remember getting the letters home and there was a little map and it would show you how to get to the club. Yeah. yeah. Tell us to come up for a training and uh, it was nice, like. To, yeah. And as well with the open days on the Saturdays that you had up there yeah. in the club, the numbers after increasing the loads. Like, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, yeah. the way and the way it is, guys. We, you know, some of the people I mentioned earlier, the John Meanies, the John Butlers, the Paddy Sheridans of this world, Brother Griffey, you know, Jim Hennessy, Brother Dowling, I mean, I mean, they gave to us, so look, it, 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 the wheel comes full circle, and maybe, you know, in 15, 20 years' time, when your hurling careers are on the way, and you'll be, you'll be, 
you'll be giving back to the club as well, please God. That's one tournament I always wanted to win now, brother down at Mount Sinai. Yeah. yeah. Just towards the end of the year, it used to always happen. I'd be buzzing for it, and then, oh, I would love to, I would love to win. You always got to the final. You always oh, yeah, I always got to the final. Callan best in my last year. Right. Mm. Yeah, remember, that was a good tournament. I remember one day, uh, Lee Franigan was there, and um, he broke his helmet in the match before, and uh, we got to the final, and I gave him my helmet. And um, <laughs> my mother thought I was at the score in about four. <laughs> so I, I got into the car and I was delighted with myself, but it was just wasn't me. Like. <laughs> Manny's won uh, that year. Yeah. Then by two points at the end, Manny got the ball about the halfway line now, and this thing hung in the top right hand corner. What I remember is Jack Barrett making his way across the field of sales to find the whistle blow. All I saw was Jack Barrett coming at me. I thought, I am stone dead here now if I don't get out of the way. And we had to hold the bench emptied out and now over onto the field towards Manny. Yeah. It give me good memories. Like Same that that was in the county final against Evan. Yeah. Evan. He took a free. You know, this thing must have been about. I won't say it was about. It was a, the equivalent of a sixty-five on the small goals, like. And uh, we were down by two points against Ballygunner in the final, and there was only about a minute left. And, uh, oh, it was the last book of the game, right? Yeah. Realistically, the last book of the game, and he dipped this thing in under the crossbar and it went into the net. We bet no, no, because he didn't do it on purpose. I refused <laughs> to let it happen. I know, because he'd done it. He does it often, like, he had done oh, it afterwards. He's done it four or five times. I remember like, standing in the full forward line, hurry up like that, ready to yeah, double on it. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, I'm not touching this. No matter what happened, if the ball had hit the bar, if anyone had hit it, there was. Oh, there was a few in. lads waiting there. There was eight of us in the full forward line ready to pull. I would have refused to put my hand to the ball no. anyway. I, oh, I would have died from the ball in your face if I had to. <laughs> no, look. Um, would you ever consider, or would you ever consider a spot maybe primary for secondary teaching? Yeah, like, does that, that, yeah, I suppose, yeah. There's, 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 I'd, often, I'd often think about you know, what I'd be like as a, as a, as a secondary school teacher. I'd love that. I'd love, uh, so I love history, I love Irish, I love I love English and um you know primary school teaching is is, is you know it's a, it's a it's a different ball game in many ways. Um yeah I'd love I'd love I'd love to have the, had the chance at some stage maybe to teach history, English or Irish in the secondary school, but um unfortunately that that that, that board is sale for me now I think. But uh, yeah, look it, 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 they're, they're, they're very similar jobs, but very different jobs in many ways and that idea of 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 uh, you know t- taking a taking a poem apart or taking I taking do. a history like, lesson I like apart. That about English and yeah, I love history now. We don't have it for a leaving sort of subject. He's raging over it. Ah, uh, look, this, this is the hard time. Probably, probably. Every year, yeah, somebody brings in the fact that we can't do history for our leaving. Oh, I'd love to do history. Yeah, that that's changing. I want to change. teach history. Like as a job, then I want to be a second school teacher, history and business maybe or something. Yeah. I'll do history in English now, but um, yeah, you can still do it. I never got taught by it, but I used to hear anyone taught by it. I always knew that your history lessons were always like very informative and always really fun, and that's from what I've heard. Yeah, so I always look, look, look if you're interested in something, you care for something. I suppose that 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 comes out too, you know. And yeah. there's probably other subjects I was I was terrible at because I had the same interest. So look, yeah. that's just that's just the way it is to look at the draw. But yeah, look if uh, you know. If you're if you're if you're interested in something or passionate about something, it, you know it, it, it can work out. Um, likewise, my favourite year, um, I'd say my favourite year in school so far was when I was in four class in here, and I had uh, Miss O'Sullivan was my teacher. All right. Hopefully, a future guest on the podcast. Now. Yeah, I know he just won the club all yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. As much as I hate to see it, I love to see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I always felt like I was really engaged in his class. He kind of taught a different way. He was always up walking around. He was always getting us to do stuff, and it was uh, yes, it was really, push-ups. 
You'll yeah, be punished on push-ups. Yeah, drop yeah. down there. You can. You'll be delighted push-ups. to hear that. Interactive learning, like. Oh, well, yeah. so I, I enjoyed it. Like, so if yeah. he's listening. Yeah, well, we'll, 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 I'll, 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 I'll let him, let him know. I'll let him know anyway, Jared. I'm sure he'll find out. He'll be delighted to hear that because yeah. I'll still be in touch with Shane. Shane was in here for a year or two, and you know, um, Ballygunner man in the school, and he was, uh, in fairness, he, he, he gave, he was totally committed to the lads. So, um, yeah. I, you wouldn't be the first to say that, so yeah, well done. He was the first man to congratulate us as well when we bet yeah, at Ballygunner Primary School. I yeah. remember, yeah, he was, to be fair, he was, he, yeah, we came back in, we were like, oh yeah, after winning, he was really congratulating, like, probably begrudging it a bit, but um, <laughs> he didn't show it anyway. He didn't yeah, show well, it. he's always, in fairness, anytime I'd speak to Shane, he's, he's always asking for the, about the lads he, he had, and he's always looking out for you guys, so uh, yeah. Um, just the last one now, so what type of footprint? Do you want to leave in Mount Zion Club and School? Good. Just end it off on a big one. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's 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 a deep one. Um, I suppose it's like it's like it's like with with Horan, I suppose that leaving the Jersey in a better place. So you just you just want to you just want to you just want to look leave 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 the school or in a in a place where maybe you you are better for having been there. You know, yeah. the school is better for you having been there in some ways that you've influenced some kids some along the way but you know yeah. it had a positive impact so look it's you'll never know the impact you have as a teacher um, very hard to gauge and very hard to measure but um, but look once once you, you you spend your days trying to do the right thing you're making mistakes along the way but if you try to do the right thing you know hopefully you've, you'll, 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 you'll you'll have had a positive impact along the way so look just um just do my best and trying to be, trying to be, trying to be kind to kids and see what happens. Yeah, that's a grand old note to wrap it up. Off. So yeah, hopefully Mr. Sullivan will come on the podcast maybe anyway. And yeah, we've been trying to get in touch with him. I think it'd be good. To All right, I'll try to track him down for yeah, you guys. Yeah. yeah, well listen lads, thanks a million. I enjoyed the chat and it's lovely to see you. I said lovely to see you guys, you know, still keeping that connection and um you know, as 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 Mount Sinai boys, you're good role models. So keep keep a flag flying. Yeah, even just come back in, sure. This well, yeah, first time in four years. Really nostalgic like, to come back in the, yeah. the, the door because we've been over here about four or five times. Like, well, you're very privileged because you're probably the first students have been here since since, since, the since start. COVID yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, hit. So uh, yeah, so yeah, nothing's really I'm, changed. Few coloured doors now and stuff. But mm-hmm. I was looking around. I remember used to, where we are now. Like, I used to do art in here. Yeah, like, once every ten months. <laughs> yeah, I used to come in and uh, do yeah. finger painting and all that. It was just. It's just a load of memories like come flooding back in here. Yeah. 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 But look, look, thanks a million, guys. Enjoy the chat. Yeah, yeah, and um, keep up the good work. Likewise. Likewise yeah. Thank you for listening to the third episode of the Mount Sign Podcast with Mr. Fannin. Make sure to tune in for the next episode on Spotify.